Welcome back to Natty Muscle Radio, where it's still all about natural bodybuilding. We are back this week with another excellent episode planned for you guys. I have one of my favorite natural bodybuilders of all time, someone who's been a big inspiration to me over the years, Mr. Iron Tron 3000 himself, Eric Scott. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm in Milwaukee. It's snowy and it's cold, which is how it is about 10 months out of the year. So, you know, I feel you, man. It's snowy and cold in Canada here as well, especially this last week. It's been crazy cold. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cold now. It's like three. I think that's actually warm, but we get used to it. Yeah, we had some temperatures like I think it was minus minus like. 24 Celsius uh, with with the wind chill this week, so it was it was a bundle up kind of week for sure. How, how, how's things going in Wisconsin with the COVID stuff? Are you guys have gyms open there? Uh, yes, we do. Um, we have gyms open. We have to all follow the mask uh, regulations and you know stay within a certain distance, uh, six feet from everyone. Um, and for the most part, gyms around here will follow those guidelines. There's some people that won't wear masks but you know it just there's only so much you can do about that but for we're, sure we're, we're trying so awesome so i just want to show people uh your instagram first off a screen share here um to kind of let people know who you are in case they haven't seen you so this is eric here um competing in natural bodybuilding for a long time um multiple uh natural natural pro in many federations um also competed in the ifbb arnold south africa i think it was in 2017 um and just um phenomenal top level natural physique that you know um hasn't competed in a few years now but is planning to make a comeback this year uh so thought it would be a perfect time to grab him eric also as well i'll include this eric coached me um for a period of time in 2014 uh i definitely learned a lot from Eric during that time so Eric, can you tell the listeners how you get started in bodybuilding? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I started lifting weights when I was, I would say about 14 years old. Um, and my sister bought me a, I believe it was called a Gravitron. No, Octogen. That's what it was called. It was an Octogen. So it was a hydraulic based weight training system and then only offered you know positive resistance so there wasn't any ne negative resistance so it was a rower you do upright rows and you could do um variations of of benches with it you know this was like something that was probably made in the early 70s um remember doing it and liking how it felt i didn't really know anything about bodybuilding back then but i liked resistance training um naturally i'm very very thin guy. Um, if I wasn't weight training, I'd probably be about 145, 150 pounds. Um, and I'm about six feet tall. So that's pretty lean. So, you know, I actually just started weight training because I just didn't like how I looked, which is probably a pretty common reason for a lot of uh, guys. Um, and then I just, I just I tried, tried that. And then Obviously, I, I uh, grew out of the Octogym uh, after about a year, and I bought a weight bench at a Walmart 
and I think it was 15 or 16 at the time I had my first job and with my first check I took my bike with a wagon attached to a Walmart and I bought the bench and I put the bench on the wagon and drove it back home about four miles so I guess that would be probably my big first biggest big excursion with uh really going the extra mile to get something done with bodybuilding. Um, but yeah, I guess that's how it started. And, and uh, in terms of actually competing, I was training at a gym when I was uh, 18 years old, which was, which was about, a, it was a bodybuilding gym. And um, the owner asked me if I'd ever consider doing a bodybuilding competition. And I didn't, I really didn't even know too much about bodybuilding or competitions or what that really entailed. Uh, but I said, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so this is, I was probably, I think it was a freshman or sophomore in college. And the, the guidance that I received at the time was very non-science based. And it was like a lot of carb depletion and a lot of water depletion, things that, you know, we talk about now and it's just asinine. Um, but, you know, there were older guys that were part of the old school bodybuilding. And, you know, I believe them because it's, you know, what other option did I have? Didn't place. I was actually, I did my routine for 20 seconds. And prior to the 20 seconds, I wasn't looking at the audience. I wasn't paying attention. I was just really focused on my routine. But then I saw everybody and I freaked out and I just like walked off stage. And I got off stage, I'm like, this is not me. Like, I can't, like, there's just no way I can't do this. And uh, everyone agreed really, really. It's like, Eric, you probably shouldn't do this ever again. You just didn't look like you're um, were in your element up there. So I didn't even think I was going to compete after that first show. And that was in 2005. Yeah, exactly. So that was when I had hair and it was great. And I always had to style back like that. I, I, I was a big skateboarder, like even then. And that's just, and now I'm bald, so. I could just look at that and reminisce, really. <laughs> I wish I had more old, uh, some old photos at hand here. Maybe I'll try and uh, pepper them in as the episode goes on. But uh, I know I, I remember seeing the pictures from your first show. And obviously, the improvements you made over the years were absolutely, like, mind-blowing. Oh, thanks. Thanks. That's It's has been my main focus in my life, really. This, that and... So when you had that awkward first experience, what uh, made you keep going there uh, when it kind of felt wrong at first to be a competitive bodybuilder? Um, <clears throat> after that, uh, after that show, I really didn't think about bodybuilding or competitions at all uh, for some time. And I, I, after that, I really began to wonder like why I didn't like it. Um, but I, cause I do like lifting weights. I've always loved lifting weights and whether or not bodybuilding is in my life. Like I'll always weight training. I like the way it feels. I don't like the way that my body feels when I'm weight training. Um, it just, I'm more susceptible to pain. Things just hurt. Um, so especially as I get older and resistance training is good. It's will have to continue to be, um, a big part of my life. Uh, but what brought me back were like everyone was saying that at that at time in 2005, like this, you shouldn't do this. If this isn't for you, but then um, I like challenges like that. And I really began to 
reevaluate my physique, <clears throat> you know, implement my own methods. Um, I was, you know, the, my methods back then in 2005 were just, you know, hearsay knowledge about how the body works and, you know, the body retains this or that when you do this or that, which, you know, it's just nonsense. It's just pseudoscience. And I began to do my own research and I got on the bodybuilding.com forums. Remember those? And um, I had a body space, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, I began following guys like Lane Norton and uh, I'm trying to think of some other names, but Lane Norton really stands out. And that was when Lane was, uh, I think that's when Lane was living in Illinois and I followed him a lot. And I loved the stuff that he was doing. And, you know, this was before, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Facebook back then in 2008, 2009, that, which is when I actually uh, began competing again was in 2008. Um, you know, there was, you know, Facebook wasn't, had didn't develop into the huge social media monster that it is now. You know, it just back then when you had Facebook, it was like something that was attached to your that you use if you had a university email, you know, and like you wouldn't post things about, you know, bodybuilding. You would say, I am in a happy mood today, like stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it's just it, it isn't what it is now, which is a lot of us, you know, it's used a lot for marketing. Um, but I began to, you know, find my own method with dieting. Um, I began, you know, tracking my food, not on just like a notepad with a piece of paper and a pen. Um, I began using, you know, my fitness pal or some other, I think it was my fitness pal at that time. Um, but I, I, cause I've been using the app for years and years and years. You could, I could actually, I've been tracking my weight and my food for, I would guess about 10 years on it. Um, but um, <clears throat> I just began developing my own method. And I realized the reason why I didn't, my experience for the first time I competed was just that I really didn't feel like I had control over how the show went and how my appearance, because I didn't really know what I was doing. When I began to educate myself more on the method I wanted to use and began refining my techniques with my food and then in the, in the off season with my food and you know how I wanted to build my body a specific way, um, I felt more independent about it and I liked it much more. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, when you first get on stage, you're so just like out there. And I think people are very similar in the way that they have a poor experience their first show because so many so many things can just go wrong because you have no idea what's going to happen the first time you do a diet. And lots of people will do their first show without even dieting down before. And it just makes for, you know, a world of, um, you know, bad outcomes for many people, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And like, you know, that's, you know, I prep competitors, uh, maybe a few a year. I don't like taking on tons of competitors because when I do, I, you know, it requires a lot of focus on my part because I want them to have a good experience because a lot of people that come to me and my business partner are people that have had horrible experiences with coaches. So a lot of what, I'm, what we're doing is uneducating them. Like, yeah, you can chew gum for this reason, you know, you can drink coffee for this reason. You know, we try to give them science-based answers um, it, because I don't want to have everyone to have, I want everyone to have a good experience with, with bodybuilding. And especially when you find yourself a good community, which I would like, I, that's, and that's the reason I love natural bodybuilding so much because we're such a close community where everyone knows everybody um, that, you know, it's really gonna help your experiences flourish. 
So you made pretty steady progress in the sport, at least from what I can tell from like 20, I, I, I haven't seen many pictures from maybe 2008, but from 2011 to maybe 20, 2017, you seem to like kind of climb your way through the ranks. What was like, what was your top placing in the IFPA um, when you were competing as a pro with them? Um, in 2013, I did, I did the Kansas City Pro International. Um, that was, man, that was a big show. That used to be such a big show. That was when uh, Fred Rowlett and his wife's uh, show in Kansas City. I, I think I took fourth at that show. There were 15, 16 guys in my class. And it was like, I could talk so, so much about these shows. I remember backstage and there's like Martin guys in my class, like Martin Daniels, Robert Johnson, like Chris Suga from UK. And I'm like, I'll be fine. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that's, you know, and I love doing that show for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but I got fourth. It was just stacking that. That's when I started uh, talking to the Yanomasis, uh, Paul Yanomasi, uh, Paul Yanomasi Jr. Um, I actually, started talking to the Pauls, Paul Sr. and Paul Jr. after that show because I beat their dad and they weren't too happy about that. Um, and then I just started talking to them after the show and actually I went to um, New York and I was, I, I hung out with them a couple of times. I judged uh, one of their shows, great family, great guys, um, probably like the coolest father-son duo and bodybuilding that I've ever I've ever met. They're just a cool group to be around. They love, they love bodybuilding. Um, they do anything for the sport. I remember, forgive me if I'm going on tangents because I could, like, I don't really ever talk about this stuff. Um, okay. But I remember being in uh, Paul Senior's basement with Paul Yanomasi Jr. Um, and we were, we were filming a documentary and I was at this point in my career when I thought being 240 and just a total amoeba was awesome. <laughs> and I was just fat. Like I just, there was like, there could have been some muscle tone somewhere, but I just looked like a overstuffed pillowcase. And we were talking, we were like filming, filming in the basement, talking about our bodybuilding endeavors up to that point. And this is like, we'd only, each of us had probably done maybe like six, seven shows, nothing crazy. And um, I remember his father like ran downstairs because they were because they run a couple shows a year in New York, and um, they were one of the trophies or two of the trophies had broken when uh, they were being shipped, and Paul Senior was panicking because they didn't they weren't going to have a trophy for one of the winners. So Paul Senior has competed in, competed in like a thousand shows. Like the guy just like he's just. Uh, the, the sultan of natural bodybuilding and he goes and he has all he has all the trophies in the basement they're not up in display or anything like that they're just like sitting in a corner like it's just there's like hundreds of them and he just grabs one of the trophies <laughs> and just like he's like, like oh this one will do just fine like and the guy just gives gives one of the, the competitors one of the trophies like just the most selfless guy i've ever met in my life and i'm thinking to myself like like man i'd never do that like that's just crazy but that just shows like how much he loves the sport yeah that must have been the, the peak of your Jurassic bulking days then. <laughs> oh, that was bad. That was rough. Yeah, that was rough. I, it, it shows that more isn't always always better. So, I, I think it's interesting, though, um, 
you know, you kind of make it makes for some good humorous Facebook statuses over the years, which I've definitely enjoyed. But I think it's it's interesting your approach, because like to me, like you're someone who's kind of like my height and probably I'm going to assume you're like kind of bigger frame because just your stage weight's been so much higher than mine. But you you have put on like a ton of size over the years and like, you know, you're up there with some of the like, you know, most impressive physiques in natural bodybuilding. And I'm kind of curious, like with your bulking strategy or like periods of calorie surplus, like. I feel like that must have played some sort of role in like you getting to where you are now. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really done a lot of shows. I think I've done like 15 or 16 shows, but, but the way that I would structure my shows is that I would do um, three or four shows in a row. Then I'd be gone for like three or four years. Um, and I think what a lot of competitors tend to do is that you know they'll compete uh, spring, and then they'll compete in the fall. Like you know, guys that really are in season because they want to get their pro card, they want to do well, or they're not giving their body ample time to recover. Um, and with me, I've always like I'll do a show and I'll really just look at like look at my body as as, as objective objectively as, as I can and say like I need this versus this. Um, and I guess it's just that reassessment over time, but my calves will probably always be small. So <laughs> that's right. I remember the hour long calf routine you had me do. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it was a bit egregious. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot, yeah, but, but like I, you know, what's how my training has evolved through many stages of my life. Um, you know, now I train for longevity more than anything, you know, I, make preventative exercise a pretty big role in what I do. You know, if I'm doing something that's uh, shoulder oriented or something that involves a shoulder complex, I'm doing rotator cuff movements, I'm doing mobility movements. Um, I do a significant amount of banded work, whether it's for upper body or whether it's for my hip complex. So I'm making sure that I'm mobile, making sure that I'm loose. Um, I want to like my goal is to be able to keep on doing this as long as I possibly can. And I don't want to be one of those bodybuilders that have short lived career. And people are always wondering, like, I wonder what happened to Eric Scott? Like, Oh, he's just so injured. He can't compete anymore. Cause I've, I've seen that a lot and it makes me sad because a lot of guys tend to burn uh, the wick at both ends and aren't really to take, take advantage of their genetic potential because they're so off injured. Um, but I guess it really just being objective about how my body looks and, and looking at my priorities and what I need versus what I don't need. Um, and just really trying to evolve as I get older as well. Do you think, you know, eating at like the big surplus, like, was it all detrimental to you, to you or do you think there were some benefits to it? Um, you know, you don't need, as everyone knows, like you don't need to be 3000 calories above your maintenance calorie to put on muscle. Um, you know, when I was, you know, how your body moves is going to change when you're, if you're, you know, 230 pounds versus being a semi lean, you know, 205 in the off season. Um, what I noticed about being heavier was that it was just, you know, it's, common issues with being heavier like it was just strain on my knees like it was just my my body isn't meant to be 230 pounds 
you know, it's just, you know, and that's one of the many reasons why I would, I never wanted to do drugs because it was, to me, it's just not sustainable. Like, I don't like, I would never want to be 330 pounds in the off season. Like it just, I can't like, like I'm not a naturally a very big eater as it is. And I couldn't imagine having to try to maintain that type of body weight. It just wouldn't be enjoyable for me anymore. Right. Um, but it definitely is like, it definitely is detrimental to a certain point. Like it just, you know, at heart, like I like being a fat kid. Like I love putting eggnog in with my protein shakes. Will you, it'll give you diarrhea. Yeah. Is it fun when you do it? Absolutely. But there comes a point, you know, especially as I've gotten older that the margin for error gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Like yeah. my form has to be immaculate. My, you know, my mobility and stretching routines have to be on every single day. Yeah. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm on, you know, just my regimen on, you know, like supplement wise, I take a lot of, I'm thinking not a lot, but supplements for joint support. Um, you know, it's just things that as I get older, I can't forget to do, you know, just like I, I never would go into like a push workout or a pull workout without doing some sort of preventative protocol prior to doing that. So I feel like I'm sometimes overly cautious because I just don't want to be injured. Like, I don't want to be that guy that's, you know, reaching back in a cabinet for yeah. something and then, you know, tears one of his rotator cuff muscles. So I guess I just appreciate um, the progress that I've made and I want to make sure that I can sustain that as long as I can. So how, how long um, starting off a workout would you spend on like mobility and preventative exercises? Um, it really would depend on what I'm doing. Um, my split now, you know, a split that I've always found to be really successful was, and this was, you know, years and years ago, I, I fell upon it when I um, was following Lane Norton was the power hypertrophy adaptive training. I'm doing, I've been doing variations of that for years. Um, but if I have a, you know, a power day, um, I'm probably dedicating, I would say about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, just to that. Um, I never feel like I'm wasting time when I warm up too much. Um, I always feel better when I'm warm, um, especially, you know, tendons, which have, you know, are notorious for not having tons of vascularity. I like having my tendons warm. I'll roll out my tendons quite a bit. Um, tendonitis is something that like a lot of lifters will get. I want to make sure to keep that at bay, make sure that when like, I'm not developing any regular movement patterns when I press or when I pull or doing any sort of leg movement. So I'm just very cognizant of where my body's positioned in every appropriate plane. Got it. So just swinging things back to your competitive career now, like you were doing really well in the IFPA um, and you decided to switch things up in 2017 and compete in the IFBB. And actually people will confuse classic physique and classic bodybuilding, but I believe you did classic bodybuilding uh, that year. I'm just wondering like what led to the decision to, to, to go that route and how was the experience with it? I could talk days about just the experiences. Um, okay. So I didn't know this is the, the funny thing is I'm not so funny in the moment when it happened, but I didn't know that there was a difference between classic physique and classic bodybuilding. Um, so we can get to that in a second, but how I decided to change was that. So 2013, um, I did the Kansas city pro show and I took fourth and I was hoping to get, uh, when I did the Orton cup that year, hoping to get top five. Uh, but that was a rough year because, um, 
the the peak week of the Yorton Cup, like my my mother died uh, in the beginning of peak week, and I don't know what you know. People talk about having a difficult peak week. That's when a peak week gets difficult. So it was unexpected, and I actually got the news when I was uh, driving back from Ohio from a guest posing uh, that I did in Newark, and I think it really just puts things in perspective. I was a bit, when I did the show, I was, I was just worn out emotionally. I did it, but it was just, I felt more robotic and I wasn't entirely passionate about it. Um, but after that show, I just really began to, like, I really just put bodybuilding in a hold for a little bit. Didn't really think too much about it. And really just began to reconsider what I wanted to do. But um, so fast forward to 2016 is that I was looking at, and that's when I kind of made a decision is that I went to a lot of shows that year, natural pro shows, natural amateur shows. And I realized that the landscape of natural bodybuilding in 2013, up to 2013, from 2013 to 2016 was changing. Like the shows became, and this is a story that everyone knows, like the store, the shows were becoming less competitive, natural, you know, the, there were more categories, you know, when I, when I began competing um, years ago, there was just bodybuilding, then there was classic physique, then there was this and there was that. Uh, then there was regular physique, the, the men's physique class, the uh, board shorts type thing. Um, and there, and regular bodybuilding just became less competitive. And I felt that if I would compete in 2017 within the natural federations that it just wouldn't be the same competitively. And a lot of the guys competed with aren't, weren't competing and or they were disinterested in competing or they were just disenchanted with competing or they didn't feel like it was going anywhere or they wanted to focus on their career it was a lot of those different different things and i and i felt the same way and when i when i went to the shows like a, the pro shows that I, I went to i wasn't really excited about it like i'm not i've, ne I've never done shows um because i wanted to just win first place you know, I go, I did, I would do a show like I would, when I would compete, I would do the most difficult shows that I felt I could participate in that competitive season. Like I chose Kansas city pro not because I wanted to, you know, just get a trophy. Cause I looked at the guys that are competing in this. I'm like, this is insane. I want to jump into this and see what happens. And I did that, you know, when I turned pro in 2009, I, I did the show that in the Midwest, I was most competitive, which was the OC bin. OCB Midwest State Show, and that was a great show. I love that show. I love Ray that run that show. And, you know, back then when I did it, there were 20 some guys in my class. And, you know, the feeling of accomplishment of doing that show versus, you know, doing it in a, you know, a class of two, you know, I would, I would have so much of a greater sense of accomplishment. And that's how I've kind of been with every show. It's like, I want to do this show because I'm going to feel better because of this way. Um, so when 2016 really didn't give me a good feeling um, about, you know, projecting 2017, you know, MPC came out with the classic physique category. And at that time, um, at that time I looked at, and this was, this is when it first started, bear in mind, you know, there was, you know, you had a, your height and you had a corresponding weight cutoff and the weight cutoff for 
classic physique for my height at that time. I think it was like 194, 195. And I generally competed the same weight. Um, it's probably less because I don't have hair anymore. But I'm, it's usually around like 188, 190 pounds, depending on where I am with water that day. Yeah. It just really depends, you know. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, like, so this is a new category. Uh, the shorts look kind of weird, but whatever. Um, you know, this this is something that, you know, as a net, as a seasoned natural competitor, you know, this is something that I feel that, you know, we could do really well at. And like I talked to other natural pros and, you know, they were just kind of lukewarm about it. Like, oh, NPC, I don't know. And a lot of guys were like that. Yeah, that's the that's show. Yeah. So that was uh, at the show that the first show that I did, that was the 2016 uh, NPC Noble Classic. And I believe that was in Rockford. Um, so I was under the impression that it was being marketed to natural competitors to get you know, natural bodybuilders into the ranks of NPC. That's what I had thought at the time. Uh, so, you know, I began to think, I'm like, okay, you know, in 2009, when I won my natural pro card at the OCB USA show, you know, I remember sitting backstage between prejudging and finals and I was just obsessively running through my, my poser routine in the back room while everyone was gone. And I was just like, you know, in my mind, like winning that pro card was like, I, I would have, you know, would have done anything just to win that show. And, you know, I really thought about how I felt in that moment, you know, years ago when it happened. And I, you know, I, I didn't really look at it as a risk back then, because like, if I, you know, let's say I get rid of my natural pro card, I do an NPC show, I suck. I could just get it back again. You know, it's just like, there wasn't as competitive anymore anyway. Like it just, you know, I felt that I was, I was taking a calculated risk and, you know, if anything, you know, well, you know, why not, why not do it? Um, so I did do it and I did, uh, that show and I, I won the overall and, you know, honestly, that was probably the best I, I, I'd looked in, you know, I probably, so I did that show and I was backstage and it, it, did, it wasn't uber competitive. Um, so I really just ate freely that morning, took a lot of sodium, took a lot of water. Um, the guys were great in my class, loved them, great sportsmen. Um, but I just kind of did, you know, ate quite a bit of food that morning and I wasn't nervous like I typically would be. And I, that's probably the best I'd looked in quite some time. Um, but so I, then I, I, I won that show and Kevin Noble, uh, the guy that ran the show was a great guy and I, I was really and that was and I and that was actually polygraphed because it was um it's marketed as a like a natural NPC show and that was probably the most rigorous polygraph test I'd ever had in my life oh wow it was interesting yeah if yeah yeah right it was so it was, it was 45 minutes and the guy was just just crazy about the questions he was asking so um so I wasn't I wasn't anticipating that I, I passed it obviously because I uh did the show, but like I was, yeah, really, it, it was more arduous than the natural body, natural bodybuilding polygraphs that it had. Um, but so anyway, I did that show and 
the main reason I did that show was because I knew that had I, if I did well at that show, that I could potentially do the Arnold Classics. And, you know, this was something like in, the, in 2016, I was thinking, like, yeah, I'm going to, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do the Arnold Classics. That's going to be great. Uh, but, you know, it, to me, it, it seemed like it's such an insane idea because then when I looked at all the steps, like, this is just crazy. This is, you know, like, you don't, you don't know how well you're going to do in, you know, competition that you're not really accustomed to doing. So after, after that, uh, you won that overall. Was the next stop for you the Arnold Classic? And, or, and was that all the same year as well? So that was uh, fall 2016. Um, so when I when I won that overall, um, I put in my registration for the for the Arnold Classic, and I'm looking at the at the uh, registration form, and I see Classic Bodybuilding. Um, I'm thinking in my head, Classic Bodybuilding, Classic Physique is probably the same thing. I, I you know for me, I've always been really you know, for me, it's all about preparation, making sure I'm at the same right place at the right time. Like my time, like it just, I would never make a mistake like that ever. <laughs> um, so I'm back, so I'm back. So fast forward to I'm backstage in Ohio. That, yeah, that was in South Africa. Um, and I'm backstage and there's this other guy that um, who, who did natural shows too. And we're both wearing the same like classic physique trunks. And there's all these European guys, huge guys, and just regular bodybuilding, bodybuilding bikinis. And I go to the guy and I forgot what his name was. I think it was Anthony, but he's from California, I knew that for a fact. And I, I'm looking at the, all these guys and I'm pumping up next to him. And I said to said to Anthony, like, I'm really glad I'm not competing with these guys. These guys are fucking huge. He's like, these guys are in your class. I'm like, what? And I'm like, and I, and I go, I'm like, no, that's, I'm in classic physique. It's like, no, this is classic bodybuilding. It's like, this is a European division. Like we're competing against those, uh, those guys in the corner. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Then he explained to me the difference of like, like this is classic phys physique, classic bodybuilding is just regular bodybuilding in the IFBB. And I'm like, this is, this sucks. So I'm, I'm backstage and obviously like the anxiety at that, at that time is, is pretty, uh, pretty high. And I'm, so I'm standing there with a classic physique and he goes with classic physique shorts and he goes, just roll it down and, you know, just roll it up enough. So it looks, <laughs> resembles a trunk <laughs> in some way. And uh, so I did that. And there were a lot of guys in that class too. I'm not sure exactly how many it was years ago, but um, I took fifth in that class. I probably would have placed a bit higher if I was wearing the appropriate trunks. Um, but I, you know, it's just my, my body just looks so different from all those guys. Um, Can I jump in just for a second and clarify? Yeah, because yeah. Um, where I grew up, we had uh, the local like untested shows here and they always had the classic bodybuilding division, even though it was never popular anywhere else. But they, but I just want to clarify that it was like bodybuilding judged exactly as bodybuilding, same poses, but just a height weight cut off. Is that correct? Yes, correct, correct, correct. Yep. Yep. So and, and I, I think I think it might have been like a more strict like um, cut off than what they have in classic physique now. Like it might have been like for my height, it might have been closer to like one eighty five maybe for a weight or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that was so I was not familiar with that at all because a category like that was never in the USA. 
Yeah. Like, I, like, so it's just like when someone is explaining this to me backstage and I'm sitting there with these bicycle shorts on, I'm like, are you kidding? Like I, and like, I would always have um, a bikini uh, or like a body, like bodybuilding bikini with me. And like, that was the one time in my life that I didn't bring something like that with. And yeah, but I was completely unfamiliar with that. I felt like an idiot. Um, yeah. But after that I took fifth and um so, uh, but after that, I began to, you know, educate myself on uh, IFBB International, and I've realized that there was, you know, the classic bodybuilding and classic games bodybuilding, which is actually um, a category in the Pan Am Games, and that's ultim- that's ultimately what I wanted to do. So, like, I was when on Facebook, I would be posting about, you know, the Pan Am Games and bodybuilding. And like the, the information just wasn't out there. So people would probably be reading my post. I'm like, is he insane? Like, is there, you know, for me, ultimately the goal was to be competing in the Pan Am games and classic bodybuilding, because, you know, it's not difficult for me to, you know, stay within that, that weight limit. And I loved that possibility. And I fell in love with that idea for a long time until I realized it just wasn't going to be happening, but well, I did actually, and I apologize to um, this guy, uh, this guy Jorge, and also the the people who I told I do the show with. But I did an interview with Jorge, who did the one rendition I think they had of it in the pan the Pan Am Games. Um, but I don't think they continued it uh, after that year. It was 2018, I think. Oh, it's so sad because that was that that was my my goal. Yeah, to do that. You know, you know, for me doing the Arnold Classics. Um, in Ohio, then Africa, then Spain, you know, to me, that was my, you know, Olympics, um, because, you know, with, especially at Spain, which was that probably with the most ridiculous competition, I it just thousands of competitors. Um, but you know, the, you had a rep- representative, you had a representative from every country. I, it just felt like more of that Olympic feel to it. And that's what I absolutely love. And that's where I really wanted it to go. Um, but, you know, I realized ultimately that the whole, whole journey uh, with what I was doing was something that, you know, was for me alone and no one, you know, it was, it was no one's obligation to jump in with it. So, right. So, so once you um, did your competing with the IFBB and realized that the Pan Am Games probably wasn't going to be a possibility, that did that kind of make you lose interest in the IFBB track? Well, it, this is, I could talk all day about, about this. Sorry that my great Dane had a coaster in his mouth. So, <laughs> um, so, so you knew about the split between IFBB international and NPC, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the way that it worked is, so I did the noble show and I won the overall, then I did Ohio. It took fifth. I did South Africa. It took fourth. South Africa was amazing. I have so much footage of that stuff of that show that I never of I took have so much footage of that show that I that I never you know that I never put out. And um, you know, it's it was sad because you know I knew that you know the journey was gonna end, but what made it what made it difficult with the NPC um, is that after after Spain I mean, actually, was it before Spain a little bit or afterwards? Um, 
there was the split between IFBB and, and uh, IFBB International and NVC, and it, it just wasn't going to happen be, uh, because I, ultimately I wanted to do worlds after that because there was a classic bodybuilding world competition, and it's like, God, so many competitors. Like it's just, it was like, like the way that it was, it was explained to me in South Africa, and one of the one of the judges that uh, that were that would be judging that show, he's like, you know, there's like 100 classic bodybuilders. They're all top notch. You know, there's no audience. It's just the, the judges and the, like. It was just exactly what I had wanted. Like high competition, um, high expectations, professional. Like I was just falling in love with the idea of like doing something like that. But that split happened, and. I'm like, so I'm this solitary competitor from the US and I'm kind of dangling up there and I, and the NPC doesn't want me to compete in international. Yeah. And, and obviously I want to be doing worlds and I contacted um, someone from the NPC and I won't go, I won't say who it was, but I contacted someone for the NPC and I'm like, Hey, I want to do worlds because this person had uh, allowed me to compete in South Africa and I, and I also went when I competed in Ohio and in Spain and you know I said I want to do this show and basically he said no and I said why not and there was no response and I contacted IFBB International in Barcelona directly and I didn't get a response until probably a few weeks later and they were like yeah you could absolutely compete now and then by that time though, this is like two weeks before the show and I'm like depressed and like eating just crap. Like I'm just like in like full, just like bloat mode. I'm looking at my body, like there's no way I can compete like this. <laughs> and that was, that was entirely my fault. It just, I, I just thought I would be done for the year because there was like, like the, the road was done. Uh, but after that, um, what happened was IFBB International, um, collaborated with a, a new federation called IFBB Physique America. And this was a federation that was headed by Wayne D'Amelia. And he called me saying like, we're going to do this. They're going to be the chairman for Wisconsin. We're going to, you know, do, we're going to get the uh, bodybuilding and the Pan Am gains, this and that. And it just never went anywhere. Um, you know, I was, I was part of that for a short time. It just, you know, it just, there was no direction. The leadership was extremely poor at best. Um, and like, it just kind of fizzled out. So, and that's kind of when that whole journey ended. So how did you feel after that with all like the kind of bickering amongst the federations and the confusion and the not knowing, like, like after that situation was over, how did you feel mentally about, you know, just competing in bodybuilding in general? Um, I became, you know, honestly, I, I just didn't really want to compete ever again. Um, I feel that a lot of federations don't keep the, uh, um, the interests of the competitors in mind. And I feel like a lot of federations, not just into NPC, like all, a lot of federations in general, don't look at, look at the, the competitors' best interests. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, we're all doing this for specific reasons and the reasons are our own. You know, I, I love bodybuilding because I love the challenge. Um, I love the solidarity of the community of, of, of natural bodybuilders. I love 
being able to push my body. And I lo really love trying to, uh, to perfect the form of what I do. Um, I've always, aside from that, you know, one time in 2005, like I love, I love being on stage and I love making presentation for me, you know, as artistic as I can. Um, so I really just fell in love with that as I developed as an athlete. But after, <clears throat> after IFBB, after that fizzled out, like I really just was trying to figure out like why I wanted to compete again. So I, I think, you know what, but there's been more than a few people over the years just kind of get uh, kind of burnt out because it's like, you know, they love bodybuilding. They love the stage. They love everything that goes into it. But then kind of the, the bickering and the politics between federations just really turns them off like solidly. Like, I think that happens more than people realize. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're professional natural athletes that aren't, that aren't being paid to do, do this. You know, it's not like we have salaries. It's not like we have health insurance or PTs that we're working with or, you know, to help our bodies improve, like we're doing everything ourselves down to our diet, down to our training, like we're in control of everything, you know, so trying to restrict the athlete to not do this versus do that. Like, you know, why, you know, it just, yeah, I mean, it, just, it feels like you're being so limited, like, and it just feels like, you know, if you don't stay with the same federation the whole time, like you just, you can't really have any options. It's like, even, even this happened to like Lee Priest, like he tried to go to a different federation when he was an IFBB and he got fined. Right. It's been happening yeah. to the history of bodybuilding for years. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like, that's what happens. You try to exhibit control over another person. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. But, um, and then after that, I, <clears throat> I went to a few IMBA shows, PMBA, um, Leif Anderson shows. I like what they're doing, specifically in collaboration with um, Iron Man magazine. And because uh, this is a natural bodybuilding magazine now, um, I feel like as a natural competitor, um, it's it's fun. You know, I think it would be fun. I saw, you know, I saw footage of the natural Olympia being in Vegas. And <clears throat> like, I, you know, for me, it's if I'm not having fun doing it, like, I just don't you know, what's the point? Um, I feel like it's has the potential to be a lot of fun. Um, and I feel that it's, it's a good group of people and the competition is obviously very high, but we'll see how my body holds up with all that. Absolutely. Um, how's your training been going lately, Eric? Uh, good, good. Um, I, I do a lot of uh, preventative exercise, like I said before. Um, I do, you know, as I've gotten older, like, you know, as when we were younger, we could train heavy all the time or felt like we could. Um, so I do, you know, I do DUP. So I do uh, my, I change my weights. I change my reps. Um, I do deloads every eight weeks. You know, it just things that, you know, as an aging lifter um, are a bigger priority. Um, I have fun, you know, I have fun when I train and, uh, and just like doing shows, it just, I, I enjoy training a lot more and I, I did enjoy training a lot more the past few years. Cause I, like, I'm disciplined enough to like, if I don't have a goal show in mind, it doesn't mean I'm working hard. Like I, I, I bust it in the gym every day, but like, I'm never, you know, being lax about how I do things. I'm always trying to refine things as much as I possibly can. 
Um, yep. That's me wearing a hat because I'm bald. So, <laughs> yeah, but I'm always like, I, you know, I follow a lot of physical therapists and exercise physiologists. I really don't follow um, many bodybuilders. I don't really spend tons of time on social media anymore. That's a good penalty row. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I try to spend my my time gathering information that's going to increase the longevity of my career. Um, that's me lifting a sweater like I usually do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do like, so like I have, a, I have a power, so I do power hypertrophy adapter training. So I'll have lower reps, power more, just, just a, it's a pretty standard routine like I was talking about before. Um, but I take a lot of care on making sure that my body is performing well and i'm like i don't jerk weights around i'm just for me just you know the discipline with form is just such a huge 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 priority absolutely so i'm, I'm hoping we can round out the show with some of your classic facebook posts and just kind of elaborate on them a little bit um to give people some insights into your thoughts and feelings around around stuff so uh Here's what I always liked. Trust the process, unless the process is insane, then question it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. I like that. How'd um, you come up with that one? <laughs> um, experiencing a lot of bad coaches in the industry. Um, you know, when I would have an athlete from a bad coach come to me and they would try to explain to me why they did certain things. And I'd always ask them like, why, what, it's like, why did you, you know, not like, why, why were you not chewing gum or why were you not drinking coffee? And then there was never an answer. Like, well, they never told me why. And then I would always say, well, you should always ask why you're doing something. Um, Cause a lot of those people have issues with food because of these non-science-based ideas. Um, so that's when I kind of started. I, that was, I think that day was probably, I met somebody and like, it was just, the things that they, that were in the diet, it was just like tilap, like not diet, like ninety percent tilapia, and I'm like, so like a fun time to me. So, <laughs> well, I, I think it's an interesting quote because it has like a good purpose behind it. Like someone maybe maybe you're coaching someone and they're like stressing on all the minutia, and they're just being like, well, I it, like you know I I was I was down you know half a pound this week, and you know. I feel like I'm losing muscle and I'm flat. And then as a coach, you can be like, well, you have to be at a deficit. You have to trust the process. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to let yeah. the process take its course, but it can also be a double-edged sword. Like if you're using that to justify like some pretty insane practices, like you're talking about. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like rubbing preparation H all over your body and wrapping <laughs> yourself in cellophane and hoping you're going to wake up dry in the morning. Did you hear this? Did, did, did people say that? Did coaches? No, no. That? I just made that up on the fly, but yeah, <laughs> not that insane, but, things pretty close to that yeah all right all right let's do the next one yeah someone offering a contest prep service after competing in one show makes as much sense as thinking you're capable of performing surgery after playing <laughs> the board game operation <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty good i, I don't uh sometimes i'm a funny guy i like that one that was good that's pretty good <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> go ahead i haven't like when you when you send me that over email and i'm like and i'm like i haven't i hadn't heard that quote in a long time and that, that was pretty good and that's you know 
I think that was at a time when there was these, all this influx of coaches, you know, and I've, I've judged, I've judged a lot of shows in the past. And like, I would, you know, when I do these shows, you know, these ultimately these athletes will, would send me a friend request on Facebook or whatever social media platform. And then like, I, then I was like, and they didn't do particularly well in the show. They didn't look good. They didn't look impressive. Then they're offering well, it's like, oh, let's, we're going to prep you for the show. Just like, oh, okay. So it's just, you know, there's no. There's barely any barrier to entry for someone to be a coach, right? And that's that's the, prob- the problem with it. And people, if, if they do one prep, they think they're qualified, but they know so little, they can't even really begin to like, you know, um, content, like um, have the whole system down for each and every person in, in, in every individual situation. Like, and I think that's a, that's a really good comparison to the board game of operation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that happens so much. And it, like, none of it changes. None, none of it's regulated. It's just people just trying to make a quick hundred bucks a month. And it's just, you know, it's part of, part of the sport, unfortunately, is that, um, you know, and that's what I see a lot is that someone that's very new to the sport and, you know, they have poor experiences because you're working with someone that isn't, experience and you know the the high high top level coaches um like the cliff wilson's and the paul rebellia who's like one of my favorite people um you know those guys are so busy because they're working with so many people um or like scott stevenson he's great too um but you know it's just the prevalence of the great coaches versus you know it's just like a million to one. So it's just, it's, it's so hard to really team up with someone like that. You know, but. I definitely empower anyone looking for a coach to really do their research and just like think about things critically before you decide. And like, you have so many options, you know, as a consumer of bodybuilding right now, right. You don't need to go with your local coach, right? Like you can, there's tons of people who do online coaching and obviously oh, there'll be more, some that are more qualified than others. And if you just, do the research and watch what they post, you know, you can get an idea of if they're a good thinker or if they're considering everything or like, you know, I think one red flag that sticks out to me is if they just post like, like this is the way it should be done or like without any sort of like explanation or caveats to it. Like that's a major red flag to me. If someone just like says like, this is the way you diet or this is the way you train. Right. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't educate anyone anything. Right. So. Uh, Absolutely. You know, people, I always stray away from people that speak in absolutes like that. Um, you know, one thing too is that people need to consider too before doing a prep is that, you know, you know, if you're doing a prep, the best that you're probably going to feel in terms of like your joints are going to be at the beginning of the prep. Then once you start to really wind down, your body takes the wear and you start to run into itis just from just being worn down. Um, you should never start a prep without your body feeling is, you know, everyone's hundred percent is going to be different whether you're, when you're 20, 25, 30, 40, 50, you know, how my body feels like my body feels good now, but you know, compared to when I felt when I was 20 years old, like I, I could jump out of a plane and land on my feet back then and feel fine. Now it's like, I walk down my steps and I miss a miss one step and I blow, <laughs> I blow my knee out. You know, it's just like, I'm, and that's why I have the approach that I do with my training is that I want to make sure that I'm doing this for as long as I can. So I really think before you start a contest prep, you need to be like financially, emotionally, 
physically sound. Everything needs to be good. If you get anything wrong that's going on in your life, it's probably going to get worse because of prep. It's almost certainly not going to get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I completely agree. <laughs> so to round out the show, Eric, like I'm kind of curious, like what goals do you still have in natural bodybuilding? Because it seems like you've pretty much done it all, except for maybe like win like a world title. Um, like what are you trying to get out of your next few years of competing? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I felt that um, with my last series of shows, you know, my goal with that was to you know, do things that hadn't been done before by anyone in the U.S. Um, and it was a big goal. Um, and I doubted myself quite a bit uh, during a lot of the process because, you know, it just was not it was not easy. Um, especially the international shows was just, they were, they were difficult and they required a lot, a lot, a lot of preparation. Um, but you know, it, I had a high expectations and I, I felt that I, within my limitations as a natural athlete, I did well. I feel that, you know, with every show that you do, um, you know, the journeys, you know, the, the end goal is always the same. Like you want to, you want to be your best, but I feel that with what I want to do now, um, I don't know. Like I, I, I asked myself that a bit, like I, I am confident that I can improve on my past condition, but maybe how I feel about accomplishing what I do with those shows will be maybe understood in that moment. Not now. Um, I, I love coaching people. I love bodybuilding. And I've always, like, when I was doing all the natural, as a natural competitor competing in the Arnolds, I, ho- <clears throat> I hope that what I was doing would inspire other people to do things that were very hard to do um, um, as a natural athlete. A lot of the time, I, I wonder if, you know, I had accomplished that. You know, what's difficult within bodybuilding is that, you know, you have two sides. You know, there's not like a, it's not like it is, you know, there's, there's the major league baseball and there's, there's the NBA and there's football, you know, there's one league, you know, there with, with, with bodybuilding, there's obviously two different leagues. Um, and when you cross over to the IFBB people, you know, and I'm sure certain people are like, well, Eric's doing IFBB, Eric's on drugs, you know, you know, I don't really care about that. Um, you know, if I cared about what people thought, I would have stopped doing this 15 years ago. Um, but for me, it was, it was a, in my mind at that time and now, you know, just something very difficult that I wanted to do. Um, and I really wanted to push the limits as a natural athlete. If I can get to something close to that this time, um, possibly, you know, maybe winning the natural Olympia, you know, if I just, you know, now I just want to be a positive influence and ambassador for the sport. Like I love helping people exceed, succeed. I love helping people um, not, you know, I love help, helping people be pain-free, moving pain-free. And, you know, people that have had no expectations competing, doing well at shows. You know, those are the things now that really make me happy when it comes to bodybuilding. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to following your season. Uh, you've been one of the people I've probably been following some of the longest in the sport. Uh, so it's always nice for me to see you pop back up and, you know, reemerge on that stage. Uh, before, before we sign off though, 
if someone wants to get in contact with you for coaching or just, you know, pick your brain on some things, what's the best way to contact you? Um, you can contact me on uh, Instagram um, and that's the Irontron. Um, unfortunately, uh, my Facebook page was hacked, which is, which sucks. Um, so I lost everything. Um, I have a new Facebook, which, uh, there's like 200 friends, which is awesome. And, uh, so I, I lost all that, unfortunately, but, uh, you can get con contact with, with me through uh, Instagram or you just email me and it's Eric at scottstrength.com. So either the other either that or uh, the email works. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for coming on the show. Um, and I'm looking forward to following your progress this season. All right. Thank you, Connor. Thanks.